This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Exelon, a Fortune 100 energy company and the nation's largest clean power producer, and Pepco, an Exelon company providing safe, reliable, affordable energy in Washington, D.C. and Maryland. On Wednesday, November 28th, Environmental Protection Agency Acting Administrator Andrew Wheeler sat down for a live one-on-one interview with Washington Post's senior national affairs correspondent Juliet Alprin to talk about his first five months at the helm of the EPA and what's next for the agency. Other speakers, including California Attorney General Javier Becerra, as well as leading industry experts, provided insight into America's energy needs and talked about how to balance economic imperatives and environmental protection. In this segment, California's Attorney General, Javier Becerra, speaks with Washington Post national reporter Brady Dennis about the state's opposition to the Trump administration's energy agenda. Becerra talks about California's legal battle against the EPA and the Democratic Party's broader efforts to counter anti-environmental policies on Capitol Hill. Let's listen. I'm Brady Dennis. I'm a national reporter here at The Washington Post, and we're pleased to be joined today by the Attorney General for the state of California, Javier Becerra. Thanks for, thanks for coming. Thank you. I want to remind the audience in the room uh, and those watching online that you can tweet questions for our panelists using the hashtag postlive. I'll try to get to a few of them uh, later on in the session this morning. Um, so to start, A.G. Becerra, we just heard from the acting administrator of the EPA, Andrew Wheeler, about Trump's environmental agenda, how he plans to continue to carry that out. Uh, it's no secret that you've been among the most active opponents of that agenda. I think I counted, and my <coughs> colleague Juliet referenced, about a dozen lawsuits that you filed on methane rules, ozone standards. We'll get to some of the others. Um, uh, opponents of President Obama's environmental agenda also sued often, uh, namely Scott Pruitt. Why is your approach different? And, and tell us why you believe that his, this, this administration is particularly uh, unlawful, and how confident are you that California and California and other states can um, prevail in court on some of these issues? So, Brady, uh, let me begin by first saying thanks for having me. Um, pleased to be here. Not so pleased to be in a cold place. I uh, got accustomed to California again, um, and that's not due to climate change. It's always been that way. California has been great. Um, I, I don't perceive what we're doing in California as opposing the Trump administration or the EPA. I see it as uh, defending what the EPA was meant to do, is to protect the environment. And if the EPA and its uh, personnel are not going to do that, then we're going to step up and protect the, the laws that are in place and uh, do what we can to, to fulfill the mission of the EPA, which is to protect the health and environment of the United States of America. And so uh, it should not surprise anyone that we've had to sue the EPA about 12 times. We've sued the administration uh, some couple dozen times, uh, Interior, Energy, uh, EPA, and others on environmental issues uh, to essentially make sure the federal government fulfills its responsibilities under federal law, which uh, they have not done. And I say that they affirmatively because we've got court decisions that say they, they haven't done their job. Um. And again, just a little more on why you think that the, the <coughs> lawsuit you've chosen to file will ultimately succeed. Well, some have already succeeded. Um, it's interesting uh, to hear the acting administrator take 
credit for some of the reductions in uh, CO2 and so forth when they've been trying to backslide on those requirements that they've had. So uh, it's, it's pretty bold to take credit for losses in court that have required them to move, continue to move forward and do what they tried to stop doing. And um, I, I think what we're finding is that the courts are uh, siding with California and other states because uh, the process is pretty clear. I mean, whether you're a five-year-old learning the rules at home and at school or whether you're a, an administrator of a very important federal agency, you got to follow the rules. And when you don't, you get punished. And the courts have been punishing this administration quite a bit. I want to turn to the National Climate Assessment, which has gotten a lot of attention in the last few days and we heard about in the last session. I have a couple of questions on it, but the first I want to ask is just um, this report that essentially at its, at its core said that climate change, the, the effects of climate change are intensifying around the country and will continue to do so. Um, what do you make of the administration's response to it? Well, I think I've read more of it than they have, and I haven't read very much. And uh, it's, it's kind of disturbing when they're in charge of trying to protect uh, the nation's uh, environment. And again, it's, EPA's job is not just to protect the environment, it's to protect the health of the American people. Uh, and so for them not to read a report that was issued by their own folks and many other agencies is disturbing because uh, you would think that what drives their policy is the work that's being done by the experts, the technicians. And if you don't read it, I, you know, I, I know a whole bunch of peers in school who didn't never study for the test and never did very well. And these guys aren't studying for the test. Um, you know, we can all see uh, what the administration, what the president himself has said about that report that came out Friday. You can see it on today's Washington Post front page. Um, but beyond the political arguments around, <clears throat> around a document like this, around um, a report like this from the federal government, uh, I wonder for you what this 1,700-page uh, report means in a legal sense. How do you expect to use it in court challenges? In what ways uh, do you see it being um, central to some of the cases, perhaps, that you've, you've already brought? It's certainly validation to what uh so many people, including scientists, have been saying for the longest time about the consequences of ignoring uh, climate change. It speaks to the courage of the people within these agencies who probably feel threatened every day going to work and doing what they're supposed to, to yet move forward and issue a, a report that is a scathing indictment of what this administration has tried to do. And I, I think it's, at the end of the day, nothing more than an affirmation of what the facts have shown. Um, you, you know, I, I suspect uh, President Trump considers facts unfriendly. And uh, it's an unfortunate thing because they can be very stubborn. And in this particular case, I, I think the facts speak dramatically and they come out of his own shop. And so for him to not read the report, to ignore what it says, it just confirms what I think disturbs so many people about the Oval Office. And do you suspect that in, in cases where <clears throat> rollbacks of environmental regulations, whatnot, that this will become a piece of, of what gets, you know, debated about in court, ruled on in court? It's, it's not just evidence. It's evidence from the experts within the federal government. And I, I did my studying for the test, and I, I know that I can use good evidence in court. And so I absolutely will use every single piece of, uh, 
of that report where we can't uh, continue to do the work for the federal government that it's unwilling to do. Um, I'd like to turn to one of the, one particularly intense fight between Washington and California. There, there are many we could choose from, uh, and that's the battle over fuel efficiency standards for, for cars and, and trucks. Um, you could give a, a background if you want to. California has long had a waiver under the Clean Air Act to set its own standards. Um, and under the Obama administration, there was an agreement to which uh, cars would reach an average, I think, of 54 miles per gallon by, by 2025. The, the Trump administration has proposed to essentially freeze the standards from beginning in 2020. You and other states have already <coughs> sued over that. Um, and, I, and I believe you probably expect a ruling um, in the coming months. How does this mess get resolved? Why is it such a significant issue? Do you see any um, compromise, will, any blink from either side? So, Brady, I want to first make something clear. Um, when we go to court, it's not because <coughs> we're looking to oppose the Trump administration. It's because we in California cannot afford to backslide. Um, we have demonstrated that you can be clean when it comes to air and water and be prosperous. And so with 40 million people, we have an obligation to continue to create good-paying jobs that give people a chance for a good quality of life in the state of California. And so we can't go back to the battle days where we pollute more. It would cost our businesses and industries billions of dollars if they were to try to uh, descend to the bottom in this race to pollute. Uh, and so we're going to defend everything that we've done to make us both number one in clean energy and number one in manufacturing in the United States of America. Uh, but we do it in a way that follows the law. When we stand up to the federal government, I don't think I'm opposing most of the folks who work in the federal government, or in fact, I don't think I'm standing up against most of the people who work in EPA. We're standing up to a few people who get to make the final call who are probably not only opposed to what most Americans believe, but opposed to what most of the folks in their own agency believe. And clearly this document that just came out proves that they are speaking against their own uh, experts. And so the lawsuits that we have filed, I think, are being validated in court because at the end of the day, I think there still is a place for the rule of law. And if you've got a law in place, the rule is you've got to follow it. These folks have done a very poor job of trying to follow the law. On this issue in particular, though, I mean, you know, I think uh, <clears throat> it has the potential uh, on many of these, but on this in particular to affect, the, you know, an issue in California can affect the whole country if it fractures the, the auto market, the auto industry. And so from an um, ordinary person perspective, how does this get resolved? I mean, if, if California goes its own way and, and the Trump administration, you know, stands uh, to what it has proposed, how does that play out? So we, we believe we have a very strong case on the clean car standards because these are standards that are federal. We're not asking the federal government to do something they already, already aren't doing. We're simply asking the federal government not to backslide on what it said it should do. And if you take a look at the record, it's a pretty robust record developed not over just a few weeks or a few months. It was years in the development. And so it's a very strong record that we have to go in it's a record established by our adversaries, the federal government in court. Uh, compare that to the record they put forward, which was rushed, which uses some you know, really funny science. And uh, I think that there's a strong chance that the courts are going to uh, make clear that you got to follow the right rules here. Uh, in terms of the waiver that California has had, 
for quite some time. Remember, this, this national standard that's in place has been in place now for several years. It's a standard that essentially uh, harmonized up to what California standard had been for many years before. And uh, what we have, in California have done is always led when it comes to the environment. In fact, we were doing environmental work before the Clean Air Act even existed or the EPA existed. And that's why California was granted waivers way back then, more than 40 years ago. We've never had a waiver, and there's been dozens of waivers that the federal government has given California, never had a waiver overturned. And the authority that California has to move forward to do what it can on the environment uh, has been uh, ratified by Congress. So, and so when EPA says they want to take away California's authority to go out there and set standards to make sure that California does what it can to clean air using technology and the evidence that's available to us today, uh, I, we, we feel very confident that we have a strong case. And just briefly, to play off uh, <clears throat> some remarks by Administrator Wheeler, you know, he made the point, uh, the argument that the Obama administration, Obama administration rushed its uh, review at the end of his term and said, I believe, he said that this administration's CAFE standards will save lives. It takes into broader considerations than just climate change, and I'd just be interested in your reaction to that. I, um, I, I don't know if I can walk you through the logic of that statement other than to say that by allowing cars to burn more dirty or dirtier, that people will buy more of them because they'll replace some of their older vehicles and that these, old, these dirtier vehicles will be heavier and so that if you're in an accident, you're in a heavier vehicle, so chances are you'll, you'll survive an accident a little bit better. Um, it just flies in the face of the evidence that shows that today automakers are selling more vehicles than they ever have, and they are cleaner and lighter than they've ever been, and they get more gas mileage. A, a Ford F-150, which is the most popular vehicle in America uh, today, uh, gets more gas mileage than a Ford Taurus of just a few years ago. And so for the administration to say that they can just put a halt to our progress on the environment and not require that we continue to make progress in reducing emissions is crazy because it, gets, it goes against their own mandate to continue to use existing science and capabilities, technical capabilities, to continue to improve the conditions of our environment and the health of the American people. So California uh, is, is already experiencing, you know, financial damages <clears throat> that both its state leaders, including <laughs> yourself, and scientists say are driven at least in part by climate change. And I think the number one example of late are the wildfires that have devastated your state. As Attorney General, to what extent do you consider the federal government or the fossil fuel industries to have some liability or responsibility for, you know, for this climate change? And is there a plan to sue on that? What would be the legal basis for something like that? I know this has uh, been something that's been out there in the legal world. There has to be a partnership, not just between the state and federal government, but between the state and its residents. Um, everyone has to uh, put their share of uh, work in to make sure that we're addressing these issues. Uh, in California, we have standards that require individuals who live in areas where there's lots of brush to clean brush in and around their property to do what they can to avoid uh, these wildfires, which we know are going to uh, occur. Uh, but the extremes that we're seeing now are 
are what's different. I think probably, I could be wrong, but I think about a year ago today, we would, if we were sitting here, we'd be talking not about these unprecedented wildfires that killed, this campfire killed more people than any other fire in our nation's history. Uh, at one point, it was burning so quickly that it was consuming essentially a football field a second. And uh, that's, that's just dramatic stuff. But a year ago, we were probably talking about mudslides, dramatic, consequential mudslides that were occurring because of unprecedented levels of rain. And so the extremes that we're experiencing, not just in California, hurricanes, tornadoes, everywhere else, uh, it's clear something's going on. And uh, to simply close your eyes to it when you have laws that require you to take this on is what we can't tolerate because in California, we're not interested in going back to those days when most of your kids in the LA basin couldn't go out and play during summer because of the heavy smog alerts that would come out that said it's too, too dangerous to send your kids outside. But do you as an attorney general face pressure to hold someone or some industry or some government entity in part accountable for the changes that California sees as there yeah. no. other states have well, that's, that are doing the same, yeah. That's my responsibility. My job is to protect the people, the values, and the resources of California. And so if I find someone is getting in the way of our being able to move forward, uh, we'll take whatever action we need to, including going to court. Um, I think this session is titled something along the lines of the resistance to the Trump agenda. And so we've talked about what you've done to this point, and I'm curious, <clears throat> when, when the energy and environment is concerned, uh, what does that resistance look like going forward? What do you envision among the most important fights you have to come? I mean, the, uh, in the remainder of this, at least this term of, of uh, President Trump's tenure? So again, Brady, um, California's gonna move forward. Uh, we're, we're not interested in backsliding. And we've seen the success that's come from doing these investments. It, it has not been cheap. California has more expensive gasoline than any other part of the nation. Uh, we have lots of requirements for our industry and businesses to be able to uh, stay in the state. Uh, I mentioned how we require residents to do cleanup if they live in areas that have lots of brush. Uh, we do a lot of things that, that require your participation, but we see what we get as a result. Uh, we're about, gonna be about 30 degrees warmer than you are here, uh, and that's gonna be a cold day for some folks in California. Uh, and so, we enjoy what we have, and we're willing to not only pay for it, but work towards it. And so I don't see what we're doing as resisting. It's, we're just not willing to wait for the caboose to catch up. And we're not interested in having someone get in our way. And so it's not that we're trying to poke fingers. Uh, it's just that we've decided that uh, we, found a, the secret, we found the secret sauce. Uh, we create more jobs than any other state in the nation. Uh, we graduate more people from college than any other state in the nation. As I said, we're number one in clean energy. We're number one in manufacturing. We're number one in technology. We're number one in agriculture. We're number one in uh, tourism. We're number one in entertainment. Uh, why should we change? We're going to do what has made us successful because we've got a whole bunch of jobs to create for the kids of those 40 million people who live in California. We figured out how to do it and succeed and prosper at the same time. And so. It's not a matter of resisting, it's a matter of doing what we're doing, and so long as we're doing it according to the law, don't get in our way. Uh, so President Trump has, and, and uh, a few moments ago, Administrator Wheeler uh, has spoken <clears throat> often about wanting clean air, wanting clean water, 
Um, so aside from climate change, which we've talked about, uh, you know, the EPA has said it's refocusing on uh, speeding up cleanup at Superfund sites. It's said it's going to uh, take some action on, you know, lead and water around the country, other, um, you know, core uh, pollution issues like that. I'd curious how you rate this administration's track record on environmental justice. It's no secret that, you know, the poorest and most vulnerable uh, people are those that generally suffer the most from, uh, from pollution. And I just wonder on that issue if you've, if you've followed that closely. Look, as I said, when, you know, whether it's you're in school and you have to do your homework uh, or now when you got charge of a very important agency, um, you got to be able to pass the test. And it, it's, it's, it's frustrating when someone tries to take credit for things that are occurring because they just happen to be sitting in the seat of that agency. Uh, but for their intransigence and their backsliding, can you imagine how much more we would have gotten done? And so the fact that they've been forced by court rulings to do some of this uh, work to continue to uh, protect the environment, um, they, don't, they don't deserve credit for that. Uh, and I hope what they'll do is they'll, they'll see the light. I'm hoping that this new Congress will keep them to their task a, a bit more. Finally, we're going to have some check and balance and some oversight, I hope. And maybe that'll get them to, to work a little faster. We, we had to sue the EPA under then-Administrator Pruitt simply to get information that's available to anyone in this room under the Freedom of Information Act. They would not respond to a Freedom of Information Act from us to make sure we were trying to check to find out if, if Administrator Pruitt was divorcing himself from decisions as the EPA administrator that would show a conflict with the work that he had done previous to taking the position as the EPA administrator. We couldn't get them to reveal the documents for the longest. We had to go to court, and we won. But that's, that's how much foot dragging there's been. And so for them to take credit for environmental protection at the EPA, as I said, it's, we'll get past this. Um, just a quick question on executive authority. You know, you speak of, you mentioned uh, Administrator Pruitt and his um, work in Oklahoma. A lot of a lot of those lawsuits, which he filed with other states, you know, basically argued that the Obama administration had overstepped its legal authority, um, and and that succeeded in some cases. I'm wondering whether you think that was a mistake in some cases that the Obama administration used, stretched the legal authority it had because perhaps Congress wouldn't act? And second, do you see the same happening at, under the Trump administration, given the, given the circumstances on Capitol Hill? And is that uh, an asset for you as you challenge these, these rollbacks? So a really, really, really quick story, because I know we're almost out of time. When my daughter was playing um, Little League Baseball, uh, I had a friend, a neighbor, Danny House. Uh, he would always tell his daughter, Vanessa, Vanessa, when you get to the plate, this is when they're small and kids, the kids are barely beginning to pitch, so the pitches are all over the place and it's tough to get a good pitch to hit. But he'd always tell his daughter, Vanessa, Vanessa, when you get up there, you be a hitter. Don't, don't just wait, wait until you get four balls and you get to walk to first base. You be a hitter. And so I always started to tell my daughter, Natalia, Natalia, you be a hitter. California's going to be a hitter. EPA should be a hitter when it comes to saving the environment. Uh, it is not a time for us to sort of wait and spectate and hope things get better. 
consequences of climate change are now upon us. And I, I think it's incumbent upon this administration to get its act together and start working on these things and being a hitter as well. They can't, this little going to first base after four balls is not gonna work when it comes to climate change. We need folks who are gonna try to hit for the fences. And so, yeah, we're gonna do that. And if they're not willing to do it, and by law they should be, we're gonna be out there saying to the judges, somebody's gotta be a hitter. Uh, we have no time to waste on this. And every year that goes by that we've got an administration that denies that things are happening and tries to come up with alternative facts, we're just gonna get up there and be hitters because it's not just good for 40 million Californians, it's good for the entire planet. As we wind down here, I wanna switch gears just a little bit. Um, you served, I think, 12 terms in Congress and you were a top Democrat in the House. You worked very closely with Nancy Pelosi. I think perhaps by the end of the day today, she could be chosen as, as the next Speaker of the House. Do you have any doubt? Um, <laughs> I stick to the environment. I don't cover politics. <laughs> this will be my one political question of the year. Um, but, but that, you know, her, her securing that position didn't come with a lot of tension within the party about, uh, about its future, who's best fit to lead, which, way, which direction it should go. I'd, I'd be interested in your reaction if you think this is the right choice. So uh, th this is the beauty of our democracy is that it's resilient to a degree. Uh, and our institutions can withstand a lot of punishment as we've seen for these last two years. Um, at the end of the day, as Joe Biden, I remember, would always say, don't compare me to the Almighty, compare me to the alternative. Uh, Nancy Pelosi doesn't have, there's no alternative to Nancy Pelosi that has stepped forward. But even if there were, I have no doubt that Nancy Pelosi would be the next speaker. Why? Because she's earned it. Uh, there is no one who's done the work the way Nancy has. And uh, she's gonna win because she's earned it, not because folks are afraid to come forward or anything else. She's just, she's just darn good. She's gonna go down in history as perhaps the best, if, if not one of the best speakers this country has ever seen in the House of Representatives. I say that not just because I'm an observer. I say that because I had a chance to watch her in action. The Affordable Care Act is in place mostly because of Nancy Pelosi, not someone else. Uh, there are a number of things. We did, we did actually energy policy in the House. The Senate couldn't do it. Nancy Pelosi is going to be tenacious, and we need right now someone who's tenacious to, to lead in the House so we finally see a check and balance against this executive. And how do you think she'll work with President Trump or against President Trump, whatever the case may be? I can just tell the president, get ready, because um, she's, she's very good. She's very good. I think we'll... I, bless the... Seems like a good place to leave it. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Thank you, Attorney General Becerra. We'll move on to the next... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now move on to the next portion of the program. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.